Hey guys, it's your friend Amy. Welcome to another episode of the Barrel Horse Life Podcast. Today's episode has a ton packed into it, and I cannot wait to jump into it with my next guest. In case you're new, hello and welcome. I'm Amy Davenport. I'm just a normal Midwest barrel racer turned podcaster. I have a passion to talk about all things horses, barrel racing, and everything in between. The good, the fun, the bad, and the ugly. We are going to cover it all right here because this is the Barrel Horse Life. In 1993, Dr. John West showed that EIPH occurs during exercise when blood vessels in the lungs rupture. This is due to stress caused by high blood pressure on the inside of the vessels and strong suction forces on the outside. Only flare strips and LASIKs, used together or alone, have been clinically proven to reduce EIPH. LASIKs works by reducing the high internal pressures and flare strips work by reducing the suction forces on the outside. See the science at flarestrips.com. Hey, it's Amy. I was just chatting with my husband about how comfortable his hoodie was, and he told me, you have got to order me another one of these. The Barrel Horse Life store is unlike any store. Here you get to pick the style, the color, the size, and then it's shipped directly to your front door. Their size is extra small through 5XL. Men's, women's, kids, so much more to choose from. I'd really love for you to check it out for yourself at www.barrelhorselife.store. And if I may add, you have to check out the most comfortable hoodie. It's my favorite and, of course, my husband's favorite. Again, that's www.thebarrelhorselife.store. Are you frustrated searching for products for your horse that end up just sitting in the tack room or just don't work? Since 2014, Draw It Out has been helping horses and humans. They sell the best products to draw out inflammation, heat, and they're 100% safe to use. It's gentle on your horse's skin, yet tough on swelling and soreness. It can be left on for long periods of time without burning and without blistering. I won't haul anywhere without the spray concentrate. Once I tried their products, I wonder how I ever lived without them. Oh yeah, the first time I used the ice bath shampoo, I was totally hooked. It was so simple, and my horses smelled amazing. I like that I can use the gel under the saddle pad and splint boots. From the CBD-infused gel to the Breathe to Run South, it is pretty safe to say that Draw It Out products are not only owner-approved, but horse-approved as well. From the round pen to the barrel pen, our choice is Draw It Out. Shop now at LonePrairiePHS.com and use discount code AMY10. Again, that's LonePrairiePHS.com. A horse's lungs are one of the most important organs to a horse. Yet, when it comes to performance horses, they get overlooked all the time. I like to call it the silent organ. It's always there and it's always working, but how well are they working? How much knowledge do we actually have about our horse's lungs? Yeah, it's probably the most important organ when it comes down to it. So I went on a journey to find out all the answers to my burning questions. Along the way, I found Jim and Hannah. 
Jim Chipetta is the co-inventor of the Flare Equine Nasal Strip. He's a graduate of the University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine and Mitchell Hamlin College of Law. His equine research has focused extensively on EIPH, exercise-induced pulmonary, pulmonary hemorrhage, say that 10 times fast, as well as several other conditions that impact the performance horse. Hannah, she's the director of operations at Achieve Equine, the makers of Flair. She works closely with customers, domestic and international, overseeing all business operations, pretty much all the things that Achieve Equine. There isn't anything that she can't do. Between Jim and Hannah and my 152 questions, we're about to dive deep into some scientific conversation. Because if you know me by now, I ain't afraid to ask questions. I'm Amy Davenport, and this is the Barrel Horse Life Podcast. Great. Well, today on the podcast, we have the team from Flair Equine Nasal Strips and Achieve Equine. Um, I'm going to start off by letting you guys kind of take the reins and tell us a little bit who you are and a little bit about your background. Great. Uh, It's great to join you for the conversation, Amy. My name is Hannah Hartman, and I am the Director of Operations here at Achieve Equine, and we're the makers of Flare Equine Nasal Strips. We're based in Minnesota and are looking forward to the full four seasons of, of weather changes that we go through. I run the day-to-day operations and am involved in everything from the manufacturing side to sales and marketing to managing our small but mighty team. And we have a lot of fun here and we love horses and are all about helping our equine athletes feel their best while they're performing their best. And I'm I'm Jim Chiapetta. I I stay out of Hannah's way. I was (laughs) one of the developers of the uh, flare nasal strip with uh, uh, my partner at the time was a guy named Ed Block. We both met at Littleton Large Animal Clinic very early in our veterinary careers. And um, we continued to work with Flair over the years and, and develop it. Eventually, I bought Ed out. And um, in the process of growing the company, I met Hannah. Um, Hannah's a bit too humble here. She's a uh, a horsewoman, and she's also an economist. And I asked Hannah if she'd help me uh, run the business. And so we've been working together to build up um, the Flare Strip, as well as looking at other products that uh, help horses as well and keep them comfortable and have some scientific data behind them. Wonderful. I love the scientific data. I know whenever um, Hannah first reached out to me and we started chatting, I started doing my own research because I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. And very quickly, my little ADD brain started jotting down a lot of things that I wanted to ask questions about. So I have a whole list of questions because the theory behind the flare nasal strips is so simple. It makes so much sense, yet there's simple science behind it that makes it so interesting. So before we dive too much deep into the lungs and airways and how things work. I would like you guys just to start off to explain what a flare nasal strip is, how it works, and how it pertains to performance horses. Sure. So flare strips work very similar to a breathe right strip for people. So if you take a minute and close your mouth, put your hands on your own nose, 
take a deep breath in and you'll feel the soft tissues on your nose suck inward. That same thing happens to our horses as they're working hard um, and, and breathing during intensive exercise. And unlike us, where we can open our mouths and get some air through both our nose and our mouth while running and doing all the physical things that, that we do, mm-hmm. can only breathe through their nose when they're exercising or when they're at a, a yeah, when they're working. And yeah. so that soft tissue collapses inward and increases the amount of effort needed to move air into the lungs. A flare strip has three shape memory supports that keep that soft tissue lifted upward so that that does not collapse inward when when the horse is inhaling. So placed over that, that soft tissue that overlies the nasal passages there, it reduces the amount of effort that a horse needs to bring air into their lungs. Does it work on husbands? <laughs> well, it makes it a little bit large for the human nose. <laughs> and a lot of things that we put on our skin, like a Band-Aid, uh, a flare strip is designed to stick to the horse's hair and not to the skin. And so it uh, may be a little little different on, on the husband's nose. <laughs> At this point, our- I would try anything. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So um, let's kind of get, let's kind of dive in because I know when a horse's breathe, of course, you know, it comes from their lungs. So Jim, I'd like to ask you, let's kind of start, where exactly are a horse's lungs in a horse? I know it's a silly question, but when you look, you know, when I was doing all my research in this last couple of weeks, when you would see a diagram of a horse, and by the way, when you Google horse's lungs, it's amazing <laughs> the pictures that will pop up, but it was pretty scientific and pretty cool, but where exactly are a horse's lungs in a horse? So they're in the front part of the horse's chest cavity. If you follow the horse's neck down to the shoulder, uh, behind the shoulder, uh, kind of where the neck joins the rest of the body, just a little bit behind that is where the lungs start. And um, they they have a shape to them that is, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, because the, the top of the horse's lung goes back close to uh, underneath the saddle area where the bottom of the horse's lungs are um, closer in towards the the elbow. So they have mm-hmm. kind of an angle there to the bottom edge of their lungs. And then the diaphragm is right behind that. And then you've got the guts that take up a good chunk of the abdominal cavity. And they're underneath the ribs and then they're squished around the heart because in the middle of all that, in the chest cavity uh, is the heart. So the heart and the lungs make up the, the chest cavity where the the, um, the lungs are located. Great. Well, I know we've all Googled, how big are my horse's lungs? And if, if you have, you've at least seen the super cool scientific slash nerdy horse lung video where these vets take an actual pair of horse lungs and they pump, they put them on a big metal table and they pump them full of air. And they expand so large. Now, of course, in a horse, you're going to have all sorts of organs and parts and muscles and tissues and bones and things that, you know, can span in there. But I am just amazed how big lungs can get. So um, I guess more of my question is how big can horses' lungs actually get? 
Um, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, cause we do, uh, we've done some of those nerdy, nerdy videos that, um, we pump the lungs up and, and you see them. Um, and they're about, um, what, what we think of them as they, they use about a third of that capacity. So, um, you know, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Let's put that in your notes on exactly how big they are. And, and probably someone has measured the volume when we've blown, you know, when we've blown them up. Um, what we do know is that when you blow them up on the metal table, they're about three times as big as they can ever get in the chest cavity. Because to your point, what you're saying is you've, you've got them surrounded by ribs and you have a heart in there as well. So they're not going to use all of that capacity that you see on the metal table. When I was doing my research on the flare strips, I came across something on your website that was very um, educational and very kind of one of those aha moments. It says, when horses inhale during exercise, about 90% of the resistance to air movement is in the upper airways, which is the nostrils, nasal passages, the larynx, and the trachea that the nose is the major contributor to resistance. So I'd like you to talk a little bit on how that works. Sure. Yeah, so we we look at the airway as a big tube, really. The whole idea is moving from the nostrils to the lungs to get oxygen into the lungs because the horse just just doesn't work without oxygen. No, no um, mammal works without getting oxygen. And so the whole purpose uh, of the lungs is once that air is in there, it transfers the oxygen onto red blood cells, which then take the oxygen throughout the body. So if you think of the, from the nostrils down to the trachea, that whole area in their sole purpose is a transport to, to get the oxygen into the lungs. And when it gets into the lungs, um, as you, you know, we talk about this video, it's a very uh, elastic, spongy material that to expand it, to make it grow. So it, as, it's, as it's expanding, there's a vacuum force in it and it's pulling air in, pretty easy to do. It's elastic. And so when we break down where air could be bottlenecked along the pathway, typically it's not the lungs. There's a, about 10% of any resistance to air coming in the lungs is attributed to the lungs just because there's work of expanding these elastic tissues uh, all open, but it's only about 10%. Then if you go back up to the nostrils, um, they open pretty good. If you, if you watch a horse's nostrils from the time they're at rest to when they're really puffing hard, the diameter of those get, get very big. And then the air moves into the nasal passages and then back into the pharynx area. And then it gets shuttled down the larynx or the throat the, that is at the top of the trachea. And then it goes down the tracheal tube. People have always thought that the larynx is the narrowest part of the upper airway. And I think some of that is because we have horses that have pathologies in that area. And so we focus on a horse that has a flapper and we think about the larynx a lot. But actually, um, the area of the nasal passage of the uh, upper airway that provides the most resistance is in the nasal passages right behind the nostrils. There's some tissue in there called the nasal valve, and that's the narrowest point of the upper airway. 
And what's interesting about it is oftentimes we'll use an endoscope to look in a horse's nose. And when we pass an endoscope down to the larynx, which is the opening to the, the trachea, provided you have a normal horse, not a pathology like a roar, but in a normal horse, when you pass that in there, the horse is standing still, that is the narrowest that opening is going to be throughout the horse's exercise because when they exercise, the innervation and muscles there open the larynx up to let more air down. In contrast, if you look at the nasal passages and you put a scope in there, and there are some articles on research done with flair that uh, show that area, that is the widest they're going to be. And that's because of what Hannah was explaining earlier, that when the horse starts to breathe, then that soft tissue, when there's a negative pressure pulling air in, it pulls that soft tissue in and it makes it smaller, um, the, the diameter of it, and so it makes it harder to take air in. There, after we developed the product, we, we kind of were going on gut because uh, people had sent us pictures of, of horses racing and when we were at the racetrack working on racehorses, and on the cover of magazines, you'll see these horses at a certain phase of their stride. You'll see that tissue uh, in the area where the flare strips works being sucked in. And that's what kind of got us curious why we started working on the product. It was later that we uh, discovered various research papers that had been put out there over the years that actually quantified that and had done studies to show where the resistance is in the horse's airway. And, and as I said, that's in the nasal passages right where we apply a flare strip. So kind of segueing off that, with any performance horse, I know there's a huge chance of a horse becoming what most of us call a bleeder. Can you explain what that means and what's, ha- what's happening on the inside of the body when that occurs? So uh, bleeder is, is uh, kind of a, just a, um, a simple term for what is known as exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, or EIPH mm-hmm. is the act. And what EIPH is, is that after or during exercise, red blood cells here in the lungs. And um, blood should stay in the blood vessels, but in exercise-induced in exercise pulmonary hemorrhage, the blood vessels uh, are, 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 rather the red blood cells fall out of the blood vessels and go into the airway of the lungs. And the reason this occurs is several fold. And I think one of the things about this condition is people look for a silver bullet. And when you have multiple things that contribute to a condition, a silver bullet doesn't exist. You're gonna have, think about it from a lot of different perspectives. The main reason it occurs is because the horse is such a superior athlete, and it's because that um, we talked about down in the lungs where oxygen moves from the lungs onto the red blood cells in the blood vessels within the lungs. And they're very efficient at doing that. The oxygen transfer is incredibly efficient, but it's because the separation in the lungs between the what are called air sacs. I'll come back to that. Air sacs or mm-hmm. LVO, mm-hmm. which is endpoint. When you breathe in, the air sits within the lungs in these alveoli 
and right on the other side of them through this very fragile membrane called the pulmonary capillary membrane are blood vessels and the blood vessels have red blood cells in them waiting to pick up the blood or i'm sorry the oxygen and carry it to the rest of the body so we can provide the oxygen to the rest of the body that needs it to power what we're doing with performance and if you think about what happens with a horse when you warm them up while we warm horses up to get their muscles toned up and start getting blood flowing the other thing we are doing is asking their spleen to contract because horses have a massive reserve of red blood cells in their spleen and they're therefore getting ready to perform and if you do what's called a PCV or packed cell volume, when we look at the concentration of red blood cells to all the other components in the blood, it may be 32 to 35, 37 is 32 to 37% are red blood cells. And the remainder are, are other components, water, albumin, proteins. When you excite a horse and you get them to warm up, their spleen contracts and they push all these red blood cells out, that number goes up over 65%. So what we did was we just increased the number of red blood cells in circulation so that we have more red blood cells available to carry the oxygen to the body. But if you think about it, the other thing we did is we made the blood a whole lot thicker because we went something fairly fluidic with 30% solids or 35% solids to something with 67% solids. So that's number one. The next thing that happens is we've got to move that blood. And so the heart starts to pump faster and its contractility goes up. So it can really start pushing the blood around the body. And that means pushing the blood through the lungs and if you look at the blood pressure in the lungs when a horse is running fast it goes up fourfold it goes up from about 25 millimeters of mercury up to 100 millimeters of mercury so the blood pressure in the horse's lungs goes up fourfold it's the point where they're pushing about 75 liters of blood through the heart every minute Jeez. significant volumes but if you look at the blood vessels, uh, you may have seen pictures of blood vessels. Um, when you get down to the horse's lungs, there are many, 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 many blood vessels. It looks like a tree with all the branches. And the reason it does that is that you need these small capillaries for the red blood cells to go through. And they basically go through single file. And they kind of march through single file so that uh, oxygen and the alveoli surrounding these blood vessels don't have to go through many layers of tissue to hop on the red blood cells. They just go through the pulmonary capillary membrane and they're on. So now you've got a whole bunch of red blood cells coursing through the vasculature in the horse's lungs, single file. They're a little bit thick and they're moving really fast. And that pressure in there is very high. And that pressure is pushing out. It's pushing against these little capillaries that are very, very thin. Now, that's on one side. And because they're so thin, 
those red blood cells can actually get released or those, those capillaries can burst and red blood cells fall on the outside. But that gets exacerbated. It gets worse because when a horse is breathing at high speed, it is like a big bellows, right? And we, we have this on our website. What we've shown is you track the stride of a horse. They extend their legs out as they're pulling air in. And then after the lead leg hits the ground and the back end starts coming up again, it pushes the air back out again. So think of them as one huge bellow of extending their stride, pulling air in, and then bringing the stride back together again, shoving the air out. When that happens, they're pulling in about, oh, it's like 59, 55 gallon drums of air every minute. And so you create these major vacuum forces to pull the air in. And those vacuum forces are down in the lung and they're on the outside of these little capillaries. So now we've got these little capillaries already stressed because we're pushing blood through and they're pushing through there and they're exerting a pressure from inside to outside. But now on the outside of that same blood vessel, you got something pulling on it. And the combination of blood pressure inside pushing out and uh, the vacuum pressure of pulling the air in, pulling on the outside of these little blood vessels, they fail. And we can watch where they fail. It's typically, um, you're gonna see a higher concentration of it along the top of the lungs and the back of the lungs. But that's what ultimately happens. You've got these wide pressure swings that cause the red blood cells to ooze out or actually get blown out in the lungs. But as I said, it's multifactorial. And what we know is a couple other things add to it. Every time a horse's leg hits the ground, there is a concussive force. They're flying through the air, the lead leg hits the ground, and there's a concussion and that concussion reverberates all the way up the leg and it's got to release somewhere and we believe that's why you see a higher concentration of bleeding along the top lines of the lungs as well and we do know the harder the ground surface probably the more likely a horse is going to bleed so there's a there's a trauma component as well And then there are other theories that as a horse is flying through the air and that lead leg hits the ground, their momentum has stopped and they've got how much, how much weight in their guts that come slamming forward every time they hit that lead leg. And that may contribute to why we see more bleeding around the back aspect of the lung as well. Mm -hmm. And that's probably everything out there that there've only been two things that have been proven repeatedly to reduce bleeding, and that's flare strips and the drug Lasix. And the reason is they both do their job in their respective locations. However, there's certain things that they don't touch, and that's the concussive forces that are also occurring that cause um, the trauma that uh, causes the bleeding to occur. In addition, we know if horses have had lower airway disease or if they have allergies um, those 
membranes and that pulmonary capillary membrane in the lung, when it's inflamed, is a little bit loosey-goosey. It, it's, it's more uh, open and allows red blood cells to slip out. So we will see more bleeding uh, when a horse has gotten, um, gotten, you know, had a cold. And then we know different things impact it. We know age, you know, how many times they've run uh, has a big impact. There's a lot of work out there that shows once a horse bleeds, they tend to bleed again because if you put the horse's own blood in the airways, that will induce them to bleed because it irritates the the alveoli in the airway. Um, and then um, finally, we know cold weather. Uh, we live in the Midwest and horses are more inclined to bleed. And in fact, in the laboratory, if we want to induce inflammation and bleeding in the horse's lungs, we, um, we have them breathe in colder air. So that has an impact too. So there's a lot going on in there, uh, but these pressure swings are the major thing, but it's also the thing that makes these horses such great athletes. Yeah, I agree. Well, one thing that I was not aware of um, is how their breathing can affect their stride. Yeah, so unlike um, humans, when we uh, breathe, remember now, we're, we're standing on our legs. Horses are slumped, not slumped, but they're sitting on four legs. Um, and uh, when we're running, our whole rib cage and our lungs are above the, 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 the legs. And a horse is, uh, being a quadruped, is a different position. And when a horse gets to uh, a gallop or fast or fast canter or a uh, full run, their breathing and stride become locked. And that is they take one breath with every stride. And that means that um, they're, you know, how much air they can pull in and how fast they can breathe air in is dependent on how fast their legs are moving. And it's in that split second when these legs are extending that they can pull the air in when they're extending their stride because of this um, lock between breathing and stride. I was reading that on your website and I thought, you know, that that probably plays such a big factor, probably more than what we realize, because, you know, the way that my brain was going so fast when I was reading this, I thought, you know, if they're not breathing as they should, they would have a shorter stride then, correct? Uh, that's that's absolutely correct and vice versa, right? If they have a shortened stride because they're lame or something is causing them to reduce their stride, they're not going to have as long a period of time to pull air in. Mm-hmm. So the two, the two are uh, connected. I think that I speak for a lot of people when I say that I was always taught that you have to, you know, work up your horse's lungs. And after doing my research, now I feel like an idiot because now I read that that is not true. Can you elaborate and tell me why I am wrong? <laughs> I think we all think that from the time we're little kids, right? Yes. Breathing hard and go, oh, my lungs, my lungs hurt. As we, as we train in the horse uh, and we start a young horse, um, the, the, rate, the limiting things on the capability of a horse are... Are there bones, 
in their muscles because we need concussive forces, as we know, to help increase bone strength. And we need exercise on the muscles that uh, uh, facilitates blood flow and, and increases the enzyme systems that are going to metabolize the oxygen and get rid of waste products. And the lungs go from being the 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 organ that's right there and it's making sure all the oxygen gets there until the point where we've tuned up those lungs and muscles and now we're asking for more oxygen because we've gotten bigger we've gotten stronger and the lungs say hey hey this is it guys we all we do is move oxygen over and we've got these fine membranes here that allow everything to happen efficiently but you've hit the max of our capabilities and the lungs don't increase their capabilities we don't increase a horse's lungs we uh we may increase the enzyme systems that make better use and more efficient use of the uh, oxygen that's delivered through the lungs but once the lungs are gone you get what you get Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important with even with bleeding is the whole idea is to make sure we keep their lungs as healthy as possible um, because you you do get limited and, and and lung issues are the number two reason behind lameness why horses are retired. How do allergies, asthma, altitude, and humidity come into play with a horse's lungs? I know that's a big question, but <clears throat> yeah, that's a really good question. So let me let me take altitude off the table immediately and that's because and and i have to be honest probably in the last year or two i haven't looked for additional articles on altitude but uh, there were conflicting articles on the role of altitude and how it impacted eiph there were some that said horses have less bleeding at lower altitudes and some that said uh, horses had more bleeding at uh low altitude and and some of that could just be um the pressure changes that happen when you go up in the mountains, just like with humans who train in the mountains and come down, you have pressure. Mm-hmm. Pressure. As far as inflammation is, just think about when you get a runny nose. Part of that is due to there's increased mucus production going on, and um, there are inflammatory cells that are doing what inflammatory cells do. That that. Um, Uh, are responding to a viral infection or they're responding to an irritant and it's it's producing mucus and it's producing um, um, as these inflammatory cells are reacting what it does is it causes the the cells down well along the entire airway but in particular its impact on the lungs is remember I told you we've got this kind of leaky membrane which allows uh, for the oxygen to move back and forth but as inflammation occurs these cells can swell and push apart from each other and they create gaps between themselves and it makes that membrane a little bit more leaky so it's not only oxygen that goes across the cells but red blood cells actually slip between the cells Um, and so that's you know whether it's inflammation from a virus or an inflammation from pollen and allergens 
um, as these cells be, are, are inflamed and with the inflammatory mechanism, you'll see this kind of separation of cells that makes red blood cells easier to slip past them and go from the alveoli or these air sacs we talked about, or, or I'm sorry, go from the blood vessels, the capillaries into the alveoli. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, firmness, I, I think that was discovered kind of, and, and I won't say, uh, fortuitously, though, in the UK, when they started one season in England, they saw that jumpers had a much higher incidence of jumpers coming back bleeding. And they looked at that and said, well, why, why would that, what's going on this year? And what was going on that year was it had a lot less rain and the ground was a lot less soft. And so that concussive force is believed was playing a role in um, shocking, you know, um, um, jarring the lungs, which causes more leaking. When we put horses on a treadmill, the way we determine how much they are bleeding is not by using an endoscope. Um, and, and I know if, if your horse is bled in an event, you call your veterinarian and your veterinarian comes over and looks with uh, an endoscope down the lawn. And an endoscope is wonderful if it sees blood, but it's totally useless if it doesn't. But it's a really simple tool to use and look down there and say, ah, there's blood in there, the horse bled. Mm-hmm. It's when you're down there uh, and you don't see blood. And this would happen, and I'll come back to it, but this would happen a lot of times at the racetrack where we would see this horse running full tilt, and it was like they hit a wall, and you would pass a scope down, and you wouldn't see any blood. And you'd say, I, I know this horse bled because it reacted like a bleeder. It just hit a wall. Um, and then three hours later, you'd get the phone call from the trainer saying, hey, I went to feed the horse, and he put his head down in the feed bucket, and this big glop of blood came out. Oh is the lung is a big area and that blood to get to the trachea where we can see it with an endoscope sometimes can take time depending on what part of the lung the bleeding occurred and that um, may take time and that's why I say the endoscope is an imperfect tool for determining bleeding so what we do is what's called a bronchial or lavage and we put a tube down into the lungs and we flush. So we look at the entire area of the lung with a flush. We pull that fluid back and we count the number of red blood cells. And one of the things we found in our early studies is when you put a horse on a treadmill and you run them, for example, on the left lead, we would get more bleeding in the left side than we would in the right side. And um, because we, you know, we, we're not little miniature things that can hop in their walk where we're drawing conclusions based on what we're seeing. But these were the things that have led to um, believing that these concussive forces have an impact uh, on bleeding as, as well. Yeah, that makes total sense, especially when you said that. As soon as you were talking about the jumpers coming down and being a harder ground, that makes complete sense. Um, I would, like I said, whenever I was on your website looking at, um, you guys have a video and I will share it on my, uh, Facebook and social media as well. You guys have a really cool video showing, um, the part of the suction that you were talking about. And it kind of shows how it suctions hard enough and then eventually just kind of bursts. And then you said those, those red blood cells kind of come through and that's what creates the bleeding. So I'll share that because it's the, 
it's different when you see it versus when you just hear somebody talking about it. Um, but that little thin membrane, correct me if I'm wrong, you said that is as thin, it's thinner than a human hair. Is that correct? Yeah, it's one one hundredth the thickness of a human hair. That's insane to me. I'm a hairstylist, and I've seen <laughs> some pretty thin hair in my life. And so to think that's one one hundredth thinner than a human hair, and that is just insane. So with that being said, um, besides using flare nasal strips from now on <laughs> when I run my horse or I have extreme exercises... What's one thing that you want people to take away from the podcast or what's one thing that we can do as horse owners to be more educated, to be better riders, to um, have our horses have better lung health? You know, I I think uh, especially where we live, right, we live in the Midwest. And when I go to Florida and I go to California, the thing that just I love seeing is everything can be open. And as soon as we put horses in, in barns with poor ventilation system, um, we, we change the dynamics of what goes on in that, that airway. And, um, you know, just thinking about the, the urine in the stall, all of these things, urine, pollen, dust, um, they're all irritants mm-hmm. to the, the airway if they're irritating your eyes they're surely irritating the airway um it's try to try to mitigate that try to keep that down as much as possible um to reduce the irritation of the lungs um and um you know i'm i'm a believer that we should um vaccinate for certain conditions um to to reduce it influenza uh rhino the you know the normal respiratory viruses in horses when they get sick that's going to increase the inflammation and irritation in the respiratory tract and it's going to take a while for them to come back when they do come back they're a bit more vulnerable they you know there's probably a little bit of scar tissue and a little bit of inflammatory tissue in there so so it's really good management and good fresh air for your for your horse is as much as possible i think when i walk into a barn in the winter um and i walk out and my clothes smell like ammonia um you know you stop and say that's what the horses are feeling the whole time so i get if we open the doors and we blow things through, it gets a little bit uncomfortable for the human and might have to be a little more careful with freezing of our water bucket. But for the horse, you know, they're happy and their lungs are a heck of a lot more happy than when things are uh, all closed up. All right. Well, let's kind of wrap some things up here. I have a few questions from social media. Uh, question one, she asks, if I thought my horse may be a bleeder or have EIPH, what are some signs that I should be looking for? Yeah, that's that's a really um, good question. Um, you know, one of the things I don't know if, if we've really ever answered is, does it hurt? But there are some horses that appears really don't like going into the shoot because because of something. And if you can reduce their bleeding, it seems like they get a little happier. So a refusal is part of it. Another part of it is um, that horse just hits a wall. They're they're not running 
like they're supposed to, but oftentimes if they've had a significant bleed during the run, they're going to change everything. They're going to strain their, their, their stride and, and how they're moving forward. But then sometimes uh, it's a little more subtle, right? Coughing after exercise, uh, sometimes swallowing. And swallowing is really a good one. If you think about it, if you've ever had a bloody nose, that blood is kind of dripping and it's irritating. It's causing you to swallow. Uh, with a horse, it, it, with EIPH, it's just the opposite. But you might have blood in the lungs that's migrating up the trachea when they put their head down, and their response is going to be to swallow it. And, and uh, so you may see increased swallowing as well. Mm-hmm. But really performance-related, where you're going to see a difference. Yeah, and I even read on your website that even though your horse isn't showing signs of blood coming out their nose, that they could still be a bleeder. Is that correct? Yeah, here's the simple, here's the simple truth. We've uh, for years known that every one of these horses bleeds. And I think um, several years ago down in Florida, we, we just started scoping horses. And again, scoping is an, an imperfect detector of bleeding. Uh, but even with scoping, 70% of them were bleeding. And then a study came out of Canada where people did a lot of work on bleeders and they were over 80% in barrel horses. So mm-hmm. I think the thing to think about is every horse is a bleeder when they work hard. And people have said to me, well, can they bleed in the pasture? Of course they can if they run that hard. But oftentimes a horse controls himself and it runs and then it stops. Um, But what we ask you to do in a race or even in a barrel race where we're really putting speed on, uh, and and the faster you go, there's also a correlation there, which I didn't state, you are gonna see increased bleeding. In fact, if we put horses on a treadmill at a trot, at a 20% incline, we see more blood in the airways. And so then you say, okay, wait a minute, maybe we've gone too far. And I think what it is, is it's a leaky membrane and it's leaky for a reason or it's leaky and it gives us these high power animals that can perform immensely. But like anything, you can have too much of a good thing. And so I think we need to think about exercise induced pulmonary hemorrhage, not whether or not my horse bleeds because they all bleed when you push them. It's how much do they bleed and is it within the normal range that i believe some low-grade leakiness is normal i believe if we can put horses on treadmills as a trot and we see increased blood in the airways yeah okay so some of this must be normal the body's normal responses take care of it um what we want to do is just do everything we can to keep it as low as possible so that it doesn't become a problem but I, I will say it again, every one of these horses bleed about Japan did some work and they said, maybe you see it at the nose 2% of the time. Uh, there are st- other studies that say 5% of the time. The bottom line is whether or not you see blood at the nose, and in fact, whether or not you see much blood in the larynx or the, the upper trachea, that's not the test of whether or not a horse is bleeding. The only way we really know it is what's going on in the lungs. Okay, question number two. She says, I was always taught to warm up my horse each day and it's extremely important for their lungs. Is this true? 
Um, good, good question. I, I don't think it, it uh, you know, I think this goes back to are, are we warming up our horses? Um, you know, what we're doing with our lungs, are they getting better? I, I, I tend to think we're warming up other parts of the body and, and I don't have a good explanation of why you're warming up the lungs when you warm it up because the lungs are the lungs. But, you know, that could be our ignorance, too, that we don't know everything that's going on in the lungs. And in fact, um, in humans, we know that the lungs have a little bit of muscle in them, a little bit of elastic material that helps them compress. I have a hard time finding that in the equine literature. When I talk to colleagues that are experts at looking in the lungs, they always try to avoid that question. <laughs> so it tells me we don't know everything about the lungs yet. I definitely don't think it hurts. And, but I can't say, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're warming up the lungs. I, you know, maybe we do. Maybe just putting blood flow through them and starting to increase it, uh, there's something beneficial to a gradual uh, increase on those small capillaries that they can do a better job um, keeping blood in. But again, kind of traditional wisdom on, on how the lungs work. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say that we're having a big impact, but I'd love to hear from other people that have thoughts otherwise, because we're all trying to learn about it. But warming up does help the spleen start to contract and get more red blood cells in circulation throughout the body as we talked about earlier so they're sure it helps the muscles yep yeah absolutely all right question number three how long can i leave on my flare strip without hurting my horse's skin um you won't hurt your horse's skin (laughs) (laughs) we we uh the adhesive you know sits off the skin and while there's probably some contact with the skin the adhesive is is safe. We've, um, you know, I think we were on over 4 million horses now, and that's never been a concern. We know the safety of the adhesive too. So it isn't, it isn't going to hurt your horse's nose. I like to see them stay on post-performance. So they, you know, it helps in the cool out because if you watch a horse breathing when they're cooling out, they're doing the same thing they're running is, you know, that tissue is flailing in and out. So we want to support that. But if, you know, we've had people, uh, for whatever reason, some horses, they stick incredibly well and they'll stay on for a week. It's not going to hurt your horse's skin. Oh, wonderful. So, so if I went to a show for say three, four or five days, I could leave that same flare strip on for the entire time, as long as it stays in the edges or, and he's not rubbing it off. Yep. Exactly. I think at some point, you know, these the the strips in there, the, the the plastic strips are designed to to support that tissue. And I assume, like anything, over time they're going to become weakened, so you're going to have less efficacy. But the adhesive isn't going to be a problem. Um, I think our challenge has always been: how do you get something to safely stick to a wet, sweaty, hairy, mobile? nose. I mean, that horse's nose has so many muscles in it, it can go in so many different directions. And then to keep it on there for eight or 10 hours. Well, being gentle enough, when we take it off, it it doesn't rip hair off the horse's nose. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is you want to be careful. Um, You want to make sure that the adhesive 
uh, doesn't hurt the horse coming off. And while we'd like them to stay on the whole time, uh, you know, through the performance and, and afterwards, that's all great. Um, you don't want it to put on when it's stronger, and then you peel it off and you peel off something more than a little bit of hair. So we're trying to balance the, the safety or the, you know, the keeping the horse's nose in as good a condition as possible. Okay, so I have a question. I'm going to say listener question number four because I'm a listener, right? Um, so your slogan is kind of that, you know, helping horses breathe easier and horses work hard, breathe easier kind of thing. So I understand that you put the nasal strip on and it helps lift up that nasal passageway so it's easier for them to breathe. So I just want you to clear up. It's a little gray area for me how that all kind of works with the EIPH and everything. So can you just... Uh, Jim, can you just elaborate a little bit more in depth on that for me, please? We've really focused on exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage and bleeding. I think the other thing to think about, though, that probably is one of the biggest comments we get from people, and it's one of the things we see when we've done research, is um, because the horse is pulling air through that little air passage, and we talked about the bellows effect, if you think of opening a bellows, the difference between a small diameter opening and a bigger diameter opening, um, it's a lot less work to open the bellows with a bigger opening than a smaller opening. And so one of the things there is quite a bit of literature out there on the flare strip is it reduces the amount of energy that the horse consumes doing work just because it can pull air through a larger diameter opening which makes a difference uh, from reducing fatigue to recovery. But um, while EIPH is a big you know, part of it, and we understand now the mechanism of why, just the, no, the ability to make it easier for a horse to breathe uh, has an impact on their overall performance and recovery. Yeah, I think that's extremely important to know. Um... So would you say that's something that you really want every horse owner to be able to take away from this podcast is that? That would be probably the biggest thing. I think if you look at the website, there's some deeper discussion on how Lasix works and how the flare strips work because uh, people do use it with Lasix mm-hmm. and, and that because they both work on the opposite side um, of the blood vessel. So they have a um, synergistic effect uh, in combination uh, so if, if you're using Lasix with your horse, uh, using flare strips only adds to the benefit and vice versa. We haven't looked at whether or not our horse is a bleeder or if they've got a certain respiratory condition, such, such as if they're a roar or um, have dorsal displacement of the soft palate, which flare strips can be really beneficial for horses with a variety of other airway conditions um, because if we reduce resistance to breathing at the nasal passages, it helps to improve airflow throughout the whole respiratory system as we kind of delve deep <laughs> into how air flows into the lungs. The flare strips are are beneficial re- with a horse working in any discipline. So whether that be barrel racing, um, we've had some breakaway ropers try the flare strips and have seen improvements in how their horses are are feeling comfortable in the box um, as they're getting ready to to break out of the box. Um, we've got steer wrestlers that use flare strips and in English disciplines from three-day eventing to show jumping. 
um, endurance riding. And then flare strips actually debuted at the 1999 Breeders' Cup. So you see them on a lot of racehorses as well. So regardless of discipline, flare strips are are helpful for horses to breathe easier when they're doing their work. And you can use them in training and during your race as well. So Amy, you mentioned on those intensive exercise days. So, you know, you're doing a, a lot of practice runs on a day or a lot of exhibition runs, um, or if you're attending a, a clinic and you, you know your horse is going to be working a lot throughout the day, putting a flare strip on just helps your horse breathe easier while doing his job. Well, I don't know about you, but my brain is full of so much information and knowledge. I'm just going to go out there and use my flare strips and make my horse's job a little bit easier so he can breathe better. So tell us where we can go find out more information and purchase our very own flare strips. Yeah, Amy, we've got our website, flarestrips.com, where you can see all of the, the options for designs and colors that we've got available. We also have a great network of tax shops and mobile vendors that carry strips. So you can ask retailers uh, near you, whether that be at the barrel race or your tax shop down the road, if they've got the product. And if you've got any questions on where to find the strips, you can reach out to us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Flare Strips. And you can also reach out to us at Achieve Equine on all of the social media platforms. And we just launched a TikTok account earlier, well, end of last year as well. So you can reach out to us on that platform too. Check out their website to watch all their how-to videos and see a simple detailed version of EIPH in under two minutes. Learn how Flare can help you and your horse at flarestrips.com. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at The Barrel Horse Life, where you'll see some behind-the-scenes content, store merch, and new episodes, and I post some really good horse memes. Check out the store website at www.thebarrelhorselife.store. This episode of the podcast was edited, produced, and marketed by me, Amy Davenport, right from my tiny recording closet. This is The Barrel Horse Life.